Would that say amen? I'd like to invite you to take your Bible, please, and turn to Psalm 130. Psalm 130. And I appreciate the message of that song. I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of my troubles and problems come from me desiring to withhold something from Him. Just keep a little corner of my own, right? Just keep a little bit of myself back from Him, not let Him in certain areas. But that's not how the Lord works, is it? He is a consuming fire. He is our Lord and our Master. And we should want to give Him everything. And I believe that is the message in the Old Testament of the, the sacrifices on the altar are completely consumed, aren't they? You give it all to God. And that's what we're supposed to do every single day. Give all of us to Him. I like how Augustine said it, our souls are restless until they find their rest in Thee. The devil wants us to think that we were made for things and that we were made for each other. That's the even trickier lie. But we were made for God. Once you get that straight, everything else falls in place. So I appreciate that message. And I'm very thankful that we have a way tonight that we can know God. Let me just remind you of that. Let that settle in on your soul. And you can find ultimate joy in Him. I want you to look at Psalm 130. And I do want to remind you that this Saturday is our pastor's birthday. And he'll never talk about his own birthday. uh, But I want to remind you of that. And we're going to, well, I'm just going to leave that there. I just want to remind you of that and uh, celebrate with him. Make sure you tell him happy birthday. We have a giving. We were talking about this the other night. I don't want to give too many. I want to leave some, by the way, I'm going to try to leave about 10, 15 minutes for prayer tonight. Uh, it's split up in groups, but we, were, we got into Bible study. You know, the Apostle Paul deals with different things, and we were talking about uh, how sometimes in churches there can be an unwelcoming spirit in a church. And uh, people are leery of young people, and, and people don't want action and energy, and there's not a welcoming environment. But you know, Auburn Baptist Church is not that way. This is a very energetic, very welcoming a spirit here. And that's because of our leadership. That's because that's how our pastor is. He's an energetic, giving, approachable, loving person. He'll never talk about himself, so make sure that you talk about him. Amen? And we don't lift him up. We lift the Lord up, but we do appreciate uh, the men that God has put in our lives. I'm very thankful for that. And I want you to look in your uh, Bible at Psalm 130. And I'm probably not going to be able to preach all eight of these verses in just a few minutes. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about what God has to say to us here. I want to remind you tonight that if you know the Lord Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And it took divine power to make that a reality. Psalm 130, a song of degrees, out of the depths... Have I cried unto Thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let Thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. That's a good verse for prayer time, isn't it? Aren't you thankful we have a God who hears us? Verse number 3, If Thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities. Don't miss the old, by the way. There's a groan in that little word. O Lord, 
Who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord. More than they that watch for the morning, I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is, and it doesn't just say redemption, but I like this adjective, plenteous redemption. He never runs out, and He shall redeem Israel from all His Iniquities. This is God's Word. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. We do come to You tonight with heavy hearts. Lord, I thank of Brother Luther right now, and I pray that You'd be with him and his wife and his family as he is faced with that terror, that great terror that we all must face one day. And I pray that You'd help him to cling to You, Lord, knowing that through You is victory even over death. Lord, I pray for those of us that are here tonight, I pray that you would take the contents of your word and that you would open them up to our understanding and open our understanding to your word. I pray that you take me as your vessel, remove me, cleanse me, empty me, get me out of the way. And for these next few moments, I pray that Holy Spirit power would be here and felt and known among us. I pray for divine influence. Lord, you promised that your word would not return void. And so I hold you to that promise tonight. And I ask you to speak through your word as only you can do. I ask all this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. A song of degrees. The church has received this collection of psalms. We are, we're getting there near the end. We have a few left going to Psalm 134. This collection of psalms from 120 to 134 are known as the pilgrimage songs. We know historically they were sung by the people of God as they journeyed into the city of Jerusalem, the city where God dwelt. I remind you tonight that God does not dwell in any physical location particularly anymore. But God is just as present in Africa as He is in America. And God is present anywhere. You can have church under a tree, by the river, doesn't matter. God's given us this beautiful building to meet and worship Him. But God cannot be contained in a building made with hands. But the Father, Jesus said, seeking such that worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's what we're here to do tonight. But you know, you don't have to stop. This is public corporate worship when we do it together. But did you know you can get in your vehicle on the way home, just you and God, and you can worship? You can worship Him anywhere, anytime, any place. God is present with you. That doesn't take away, by the way, from meeting together. And congregational worship is commanded by God and is important. But I sure am thankful we can worship Him anywhere, anytime, any place. And as these pilgrims journey back up to this elevated city of Jerusalem, they are ascending upward and they are rejoicing while they are on the road. And as we, just like them, go down this pathway of life, we too, by the way, are headed upward. And that should be our theme as we read these psalms. Go up, go up, 
my soul. We are headed upward. Paul said, my outward man perishes, but praise God, my inward man is renewed day by day. You might put this body in the ground, Paul says, but there's only one direction for my soul to go, and that is upward to be with my Lord. And by the way, there's coming a day when these bodies are going to take their flight upward as well to meet the Lord in the air. We're headed one direction, those of us that know God, and that's upward with Him. And I sure am looking forward to the day that He raptures us out of here and that He takes us up to meet Him in the air. We are headed upward. But until then, as the song says, until then, what will my heart do? My heart will go on singing. God wants us to know that we don't only travel on this road. There's going to be moments of weeping on this road. There's going to be moments of difficulties. We'll talk about a little bit tonight on this road. But there never is a moment for the Christian no matter the circumstances that we do not rejoice. Paul said it like this, rejoice evermore. And again I say rejoice. For we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to His purpose. I'm glad. I feel like preaching a little bit tonight. I'm glad that my joy is not based upon my circumstances, that my joy isn't rooted in my popularity among a group of people. My joy isn't rooted in how many likes I get on Facebook. Can I get a witness tonight? And my joy isn't in who gets in the White House whenever the election takes place this year, but my joy is rooted in another country. My joy is rooted in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who changes not, who never faints, who always has been, who always will be, and who loves me as a sinner. Bless His holy name. Our joy is rooted in Him. So, no wonder we sing. No wonder we rejoice. We know the God of heaven and earth. Now in this psalm, the psalmist takes up the themes of sin. How do you rejoice with sin? Faith, forgiveness, and hope. Four very applicable and present themes for us. And I want to look at them very briefly tonight. Verse number one. Notice this first little phrase here. Maybe you've been here before. The psalmist says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee. Now, last time we looked at a psalm that talked about persecution, that talked about suffering, that talked about the enemies of God and the difficulties they may bring upon the people of God. Did you know, and I've said this before, these are not pie-in-the-sky motivational speeches. I'm not talking about uh, everything going exactly the way that you think it should all the time. The Christian life is not a coasting into heaven on a bed of roses, is it? It's filled with trouble. It's filled with trials. It's filled with difficulties. And we understand this and we know this and that pain has come. Pain is here. Pain will come. There will be moments where you and I are in the depths. This, this word depths means the helpless positions that we find ourselves in. By the way, you know those are orchestrated by God. And I want to say this, the psalmist is not going to waste his helpless position, nor should you. When you find yourself in the depths, did you know God is not uh, taken by surprise that you're there? And you know, the Bible teaches that God even orchestrated the, that you'd be there. And that God has a purpose for you being in those depths. You know what that purpose is? Look what a, the psalmist says. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. C.S. Lewis said it like this. God may whisper through pleasure, but pain is God's megaphone. 
God speaks louder when we're in the depths than He does at any other time. Matter of fact, we get closer to Jesus when we're in the depths than any other time because He went deep into sorrow and suffering. And the Bible tells in Hebrews 12 why He did it. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the shame. So when we, when was Stephen the martyr of the book of Acts. When was he closest to Jesus? When did Jesus stand up at the right hand of God in acknowledgement of Stephen's faith and martyrdom? When Stephen said the exact same words as Jesus to those that were stoning him, forgive them. He was being like his Savior. He was in the depths and he cried unto the Lord. There will be moments where you and I are in the depths. And what we do at that time is we cry unto the Lord. Sometimes we'll be in the depths of outward circumstances. Talked about that a little bit last week. Sometimes we'll be in these depths, these deep, helpless positions due to inward circumstances, such as guilt, shame, anxiousness, want, sometimes want of due love to God, of spiritual energy and feeling. How many of you would admit today, tonight, you have off days. Both my hands are up. What do you do in those days? You cry unto the Lord. Don't waste your off days. God might teach you more on your off days than He does on your on days. That's the God we serve. If you cry unto Him. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee. I want you to highlight this little word here. It's one letter. Big word. It means a deep groan. Oh, Lord. The psalmist, have you ever been this been here before, the psalmist is desperate for God. Desperate for God. Verse 2, Lord, hear my, and I like this, voice. You know, I believe in audible out loud prayer. You can pray quietly to yourself. But I think there is something to lifting up your voice to God especially when you're in the depths. And saying, Lord, hear my voice. Look what the psalmist says, verse number 2. Let thine ears be attentive to, it's said again, to the voice of my supplications. I like this word supplications. You know what it means? It means a pleading for grace. Here's what the psalmist is saying. When you're in the depths of life, whatever those depths may be, that deep, helpless position, you do not ask God to give you what you deserve. You ask God to treat you better than you deserve. You ask God for undeserved grace. You ask God for undeserved favor. In other words, here's, here's your posture. You say, Lord, I know I'm helpless in and of myself. I know I'm hopeless in and of myself. I know that I cannot make it in and of myself. But God, you can show grace. And I'm asking you for grace. And I'm asking you for mercy. And I'm asking you to do for me that which I could never deserve. Aren't you thankful tonight that God is a God of grace? David could be in the hand of the angels, or, could, or he could be in the hand of God. What was David's answer? Put me in the hand of God, for I know that He will show me mercy. God is inclined to grace. He's inclined to mercy. And you and I must cry out to Him for it. And the psalmist reminds us, that's a little bit about the depths, but the psalmist reminds us in verse 3 and 4 about how dependent we are upon the forgiving, the forgiving mercy of God because of our sin. Let us be 
tonight. This was really what I wanted to impress upon you tonight from this psalm. Let us be reminded clearly. And I want you to pray in a moment that God would help you realize it again. You have to realize it every single day that you and I are sinners. I know it's a dirty word in the modern church. I know you're not going to hear that word unless it's used, you know, poetically and rhetorically on the news. It's not used as if it's a real word. It's not ever used as if it's a real thing, a real problem. Did you know that if you rob this book of the definition and the meaning of sin, that you you will then rob this book of the definition and the meaning of salvation? There is no good news without the bad news. Perhaps the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has not wowed you and been amazing to you in a long time because you've forgotten what you are. You've forgotten where you stand before Him. Last time I checked, the songwriter said, for such a worm as I. Now, the modern PR people like to take that word out and replace it. For such a bad human being. But I've got dignity, right? We don't, we don't like to lower ourselves. What was John, John the Baptist? What a man, right? Jesus said, never man born among women like him. What was his motto? Not only that God must increase, but what? I must decrease. That's a simultaneous thing. Charles Spurgeon said, if I'm an inch tall, I'm an inch too tall. If I'm an inch tall, I'm an inch too tall. We must lower ourselves. Understanding tonight, look at it. Verse number 3, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark, that's an interesting word, mark. It means to pay attention to. It means God stops like a judge with a fine comb. Let's imagine that God worked at the DMV tonight, right? And He really paid attention. How many of y'all know, you gotta, when you go to the DMV, you've got to have a, some powder from Tinkerbell, right? You've got to have a mermaid's eyelash. You've got to have a drop of blood from you know, Nebuchadnezzar. Or they ain't going to let you have what you need, right? they got a fine comb. They look, they mark, they really pay attention. And, and by the way, do you know, God is a God of details. The devil's not in the details, y'all. Have you looked at the human eyeball? Have you looked at the universe? Have you looked at molecules? God is in the details. And if he wanted to, he could pay attention to every little sin, every little mishap. He could mark it. He could watch over it. This word means to keep in custody, to heap a record of. Psalmist says, God, if you did that, listen to the rhetorical question in verse number 3. Lord, if you did that, who could stand before you? God, I'm not standing before you as if I deserve anything. If I went home tonight and everything was stripped from me, every bit of money, every bit of clothing, every bit, if my family was taken from me, I could not shake my fist at God and say that He's done me wrong. Because none of it belongs to me. Do we believe this tonight? Jesus, uh, there was a tower that fell on somebody. There were some tragedies. Jesus, uh, down in Galilee, Pilate sent in the Romans and they slaughtered some people as they were worshiping. What do you say about this great tragedy, Jesus? Jesus said, you missed the tragedy that took place down the road. The tower fell on somebody and killed them. Jesus, what do you say to all this? 
unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. What does that mean? You shouldn't be amazed that it happened to somebody else. You should be amazed it hadn't happened to you. See, a lot of our depression, a lot of our anxiety, a lot of our issues and problems in life come because, as we say it back at the house, we're too big for our britches. We don't understand what we are. We are creatures in the hand of a creator. Paul said, the the clay doesn't look at the potter and say, why have you made me thus? We're not on his level tonight. Can I get a witness? When you go to him in prayer, remember who you're going to. The King of kings and Lord of lords. But, I'm quitting here. Verse number four. But, do you know what? Every single one of us that know Christ are about to stand before God. We're going to go right into the throne room. The author to the letter of the Hebrews says we can come boldly as if we belong. You know why? Because last time I checked, when Christ died, the veil separating God and man was rent in twain from top to bottom. And we have access. We belong in the presence of God. Now, if He marked our iniquities... Who could stand? But you know what? He hasn't done that. You know what He's done? He's put our iniquities on Christ. And in Christ, they are paid for. They are done away with. Our sins are blotted out. I have one, two, three, four, five verses on forgiveness I want to take you to. I don't have time to tonight. Let me read this. Psalm 134. But there is forgiveness with thee. Don't miss the second part that thou mayest be feared. Forgiveness, if you truly receive it, doesn't lower your reverence for God. It heightens that reverence for God. True forgiveness. Woman caught in adultery, right? What did Jesus say to her? Go and what? Sin no more. True forgiveness causes us to live in fear and reverence and awe of Almighty God. I like this verse, Psalm 103, 12, that says that God casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. The prophet says that God casts our sin into the depths of the sea, which, by the way, is taller than Mount Everest, the deepest part that we know about, the Mariana Trench, 36, 37,000 feet deep. You can't go down that deep. The pressure will crush you. God says, that's where I put your sin, where no man can find it. It's done away with tonight. We enter the throne room of... Grace, because our justice was done at Calvary. And he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, Mark chapter 2. Not, write it down, read it tonight. It'll bless your heart. Remember, we're going to split up here and pray. But remember the, the friends who brought their crippled friend, right? Those are really good friends, by the way. They said, we've got to get him to Jesus. And they couldn't get in for the crowd. And Jesus saw a big crowd, and the Bible said He preached the Word unto them. I love that. God had one son, and He made him a preacher. And they lowered their friend down through the roof, didn't they? And Jesus said, this is great faith. But you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't give him what he wanted right away, did He? Before Jesus healed his outward body, He did something far greater. He looked at this man, and He said, Son, thy sins are be forgiven thee. And the Pharisee said, and this is right, by the way, nobody can forgive sin but God. 
And Jesus said, that you may know that the Son of Man has, notice this word, power on earth to forgive sin. I say unto thee, arise and walk. And guess what he did? He got up and walked. And Jesus did that to show that the same power over the effects of sin, it's a greater power to forgive sin. He gives us what we need before He gives us what we want. And divine power is on your behalf in your forgiveness. So as we pray tonight, remember that. And let's ask God to meet our needs. And let's pray for our country and our culture and our loved ones. Let's do that. But first, I'm going to close in prayer.